Straight Talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. You're listening to The Jay Shapiro Show. Hello again, this is Jay Shapiro. Thanks for listening. Today, Israel is celebrating its 74th birthday. I find that at this birthday celebration, I feel compelled to repeat something that I said about a month ago when we celebrated Pesach, Passover, the Jewish holiday of liberation. I said that this year we are faced with the most critical period since the end of the Second World War and the fall of the Soviet Union. Russia had invaded Ukraine, the invasion is continuing, and it is a growing threat to Europe. China is expanding in the Pacific and threatening Taiwan. The American administration exhibiting weakness and indecision. And since a month ago, a new problem has risen in the United States related to the Supreme Court, something very fundamental. And worst of all, as far as we're concerned, Iran is on the threshold of becoming a nuclear power and is threatening to destroy Israel. This is further complicated by the fact The Knesset here in Israel and the government is composed of small-minded politicians who are more concerned with their own honor and their own privileges than the good of the nation. Nothing has changed since I made these comments a month ago, except for the internal problem in the United States and the Supreme Court. It seems that we go from one crisis to the next, so it's important to look at the big picture remain optimistic. Until the birth of the state in Israel, of Israel in 1948, our fate was determined by others. Today, as difficult as the times are, we are able, with the help of God, to determine our own fate. Depends on us. And that is something that should be celebrated. So happy birthday to the state of Israel. The return of the Jewish people to the land of Israel was prophesied in the Bible thousands of years ago and is coming true today. Shalom. Join me, Josh Wander, on Israel Unplugged. Listen in as we delve into the spiritual and physical aspects of the Jewish return to Zion. We'll discuss the biblically mandated, historic, and of course practical understandings of this incredible transition from exile to redemption. That's Israel Unplugged, every Monday on IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. You're listening to The Jay Shapiro Show. You're back with Jay Shapiro. 
There are a number of schools, I think there are seven or eight colleges, that are known as the Ivy League. I myself attended an Ivy League school, the University of Pennsylvania. But there are others that are better known, more well-known. For example, Harvard, Yale, Columbia. These are the ones that are most famous, I guess. Now, the Harvard Crimson is a newspaper put out by the students at Harvard University in Boston. They, uh, it is one of the most elite universities, and they have come out in support of the boycott, sanctions, and divestment movement. And in other words, they've taken a position, the student paper is taking a position against the state of Israel. Last week, in the paper's editorial board, wrote that, and I quote, in support of boycott, divest, sanction, and a free Palestine, and it was proud to finally lend our support to both Palestinian liberation and BDS, and we call on everyone to do the same. The problem is that the editorial board does not seem to have a clue of what Palestinian liberation or BDS really mean. If, if they did, it is hard to believe they would really support it, because both Palestinian liberation and BDS really mean only one thing, the destruction of the Jewish state. All anyone on the editorial board of the Harvard Crimson had to do was Google the name of the founder of BDS, Omar Barghouti, who, by the way, is in Israeli jail with a number of life sentences for murder. If you check Google and use his name, you found a large number of quotes to support the assertion that the idea of BDS means destruction of the state of Israel. Now, I'll give you one example. This uh, in Google, uh, it says, definitely, most definitely, we oppose a Jewish state in any part of Palestine. No Palestinian, rational Palestinian, not a sellout Palestinian, would ever accept a Jewish state in Palestine. That's the wording on their Google place. Is, is that what the student editors of Harvard are advocating? Just a day after Holocaust Remembrance Day, did they really want to call for a world without a Jewish state? That they essentially did just that, attests both to the editorial board's own gullibility and stupidity and naivete, as well to how the BDS movement has succeeded in pulling the wool over the eyes of so many intelligent people. In the editorial, they said the following, and I quote, Even for journalists, openly condemning this Israel's policies poses an objective professional risk. Dare question Israel's policies or endorse Palestinian freedom, and you will be shunned from the newsroom. Past accomplished or legitimate arguments be damned, unquote. Now, the question is, is this a really serious editorial 
and the student newspaper of a serious college? Have the members of the paper's editorial board never picked up a copy of the New York Times or the London Guardian? <coughs> Have they never watched BBC or SNNBC? Enough already with the self-aggrandizing canard that is somehow an act of great personal courage to criticize Israel. That's what they pretend. They really do. One could actually argue the exact opposite, that the stand-up for Israel today in certain circles, including at Harvard, is what really take courage. Consider this. The editorial went on to say, there's an overwhelming power imbalance that defines and constricts the ongoing debate. This stark power differential extends far beyond the arena of free speech, shifting from rhetorical to lethal on the grounds in Palestine, where Israeli soldiers have killed nearly 50 Palestinians, including eight children this year alone. Unquote. Forget that the paper gives no context whatsoever about those Palestinians were killed. This thus creates the impression that Israeli soldiers just randomly murder innocent Palestinians. Not that most of the kill were in the act of shooting civilians or stabbing soldiers or throwing rocks or Molotov cocktails at passing cars. They forget all that. What is embedded in the paper's protest and what they call an overwhelming power imbalance in Israel's favor is the notion that weak means right, strong means wrong. That's a half-baked way to look at the world. In this view, Al-Qaeda should get the paper's sympathy in its battle with America because Al-Qaeda is undeniably the weaker party in that fight. So if loving the weaker party is automatic, it shows how little sense it makes. Now, we could give the Crimson the benefit of doubt and say that it doesn't want to cancel out the Jewish state and is just opposed to what they call the occupation, which is a story unto itself. Occupation is a definition that, if you really think about it, is simply not true. However, uh, if they were just opposed to the so-called occupation, if that was indeed the case, then what BDS has succeeded in doing as a leading uh, uh, left-wing U.S. political philosopher named Michael Walzer told the Post, the Jerusalem Post recently, was create an extremely effective old-fashioned front organization that hides its true motivation. BDS wants to destroy Israel. Most of the kids who support BDS on the various campuses in the United States, the United States think that they're brainwashed to think they are opposing the Israeli occupation of those areas liberated in the Six-Day War, when Israel was threatened by destruction 
and part of the way to save itself was to kick out the Jordanians and the others from the area known as the West Bank, and no one wants to make peace with Israel since then, so we're being accused of occupation. The, the it, Most of the kids who support BDS on campus think they're opposing the occupation, even though BDS as an international organization is committed to the destruction of the state of Israel. They're not against occupation, they're against the state of Israel. And if you look, go into the internet and see their charter, that exactly is why the organizations exist who push BDS. Therefore, what should be done what needs to be done is to rip the mask off the organization, the BDS, expose what it really is, and reveal what lurks behind such terms as Palestinian liberation and BDS. What they mean, really, is the destruction of Israel. Saying Palestinian liberation sounds quite kosher. What are the major problems we have that most people simply do not know the reality of what's happening here in the Middle East. And a prestigious university's newspaper says things against Israel. They, the, the readers have no basis to argue because the readers are simply ignorant. The truth of the matter is, to expose all this, more and more Americans both Jews and non-Jews, including those critical of various Israeli policies, which are legitimate. There are Israeli policies you can criticize. Doesn't mean you want to destroy the state of Israel. People need to stand up and forcefully explain why they shudder at the thought of a world where there is no room for Israel. Israel is a country that just, just take one aspect, by the way. When there's a calamity somewhere in the world, Israel is the first country to send help. We have organizations in Israel designed and and planned to send help. Israel was one of the first countries to rush to the Ukraine when it was invaded by Russia, and Israeli organizations are still there. People simply do not know enough about Israel, and in that sense, the state of Israel is to blame for not doing a better job of what we call Hasbara, which I guess you could translate as public inter information. We Israel has failed miserably in in uh, that attitude of the war for our existence. The, the public information is a front in the battle for the existence of the state of Israel, and the very fact it's failed is seen by the fact that the Harvard Crimson writes against the state. I'll be back after the break. Hi, I'm Steve.
Steve Miller. And I'm Matt Zucker. Join us for Lighten Up, where we take a look at the week's current events in Israel and from around the Jewish world through a humorous lens. If you've been paying attention during these crazy times, you know that it's a challenge to parody life anymore. But join Steve and I as we give it the old college try. Not only is being happy an obligation, but life is just too short to take it all so seriously. So join me, Steve Miller. And me, Matt Zucker. For Lighten Up every Monday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, 5 p.m. Israel, only on IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. You're listening to The Jay Shapiro Show. You're back with Jay Shapiro. This month, there were the holidays or the holy days of three major religions, Christian, the Muslim, and the Jewish, and they all centered on the old city of Jerusalem. And therefore, it is incumbent upon the state of Israel to maintain peace in that area, particularly this time of the year, when the tensions run very high. Now, the, the, um, the tension is highest on the Temple Mount. It's not new. It is the site of the first and second temples in Jewish history. And it's also the Al-Aqsa Mosque and the Dome of the Rock, which are the ones you see and when you ever see postcards and pictures of Jerusalem, in particular, the Dome of the Rock and Al-Aqsa Mosque stand out. But what we are increasingly seeing are cynical attempts to exploit this area for a different purpose, for narrative rather than peaceful religion. The Palestinians riot there, and they desecrated their own site by throwing rocks and firecrackers at the police and on the Jewish worshippers gathered at the Western Wall, which is below the mount. The, uh, the Jews did not go to the area the Muslims call Al-Haram Al-Sharif, which in English means a noble sanctuary, and the Jews did not go to Al-Aqsa compound for a uh, spiritual Ramadan experience. It turns out that a lot of Muslims didn't go there for a spiritual Ramadan experience either. Video footage of clashes between the Israeli police and Israeli security forces and Palestinian rioters at this holy site have gone viral and are often difficult to watch. There certainly seem to be cases of police overreacting, overreacting. that can happen. Um, nonetheless, what needs to be kept in mind is cause and effect. What did the Muslims do, the rioters? They stockpiled stones, rocks, logs, and firecrackers in the Al-Aqsa Mosque, a place which is holy to them. They did not care about the holiness of the mosque. 
They did not do so for religious purposes. They were preparing themselves for a riot. They attacked police and Jewish worshipers. That's why they were in the mosque, not for prayers. And the police did not storm the Al-Aqsa Mosque to conquer it. They broke in to arrest the rock throwers who had barricaded themselves inside after Friday prayers last week. Some of the mass Palestinians waved Hamas flags and they praised arch-terrorist Muhammad Diaf as they tried to bombard the Jewish worshippers who had come to pray at the Western Wall. This was at the start of the Passover holiday. As I said, Easter, Passover, and Ramadan all came out at the same time. The, so what there, these actions by these Muslim radicals are disturbing the freedom of prayer for everyone, including other Muslims. The vast majority of the 50,000 or so Muslim wor- worshippers uh, who come to the Al-Aqsa area on Friday, the, ma- the vast majority come with a peaceful intention of prayers at Islam's third holiest site. The fact that we, so many thousands were able to gather there shows that Israel's intent on protecting freedom of worship for the Muslims. Otherwise, they, wouldn't be, they would not be there at all. Israel has the option of keeping them out, and Israel does not exercise this option. Israel wants to give freedom of worship to the followers of Islam. It is Jewish worship that is being limited at Judaism's holiest site. The Muslim extremists object to any Jewish presence on the Temple Mount and now refer to the entire area as Al-Aqsa, and they threw rocks at buses traveling to the Western Wall. Jews who ascend Temple Mount note, however, that part of the area serves as a soccer field, far from serving religious needs. I myself was there several years ago, and it's supposed to be the third holiest site in Islam, and you see kids playing soccer right near the Dome of the Rock. I was really surprised when they saw that. So all these Muslim or Palestinian organizations like Hamas, Islamic Jihad, and even the Palestinian Authority have all accused Israel of carrying carrying out provocations and assaulting the site because they are hoping to turn it into a battle cry. It's easy to rally Muslims everywhere around the terrible lie that Al-Aqsa is in danger and needs defending. The terrorist organizations are hoping that this becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Now, uh, there are uh, Muslim members uh, in the Israeli government, not just the Israeli uh, Knesset, the parliament, but in the um, the government itself, so uh, members, these politicians, these Arab politicians, uh, went to the Temple Mount, the, uh, the area of Al-Aqsa, 
to try to gain political points as if they're defending Islam. They are there to add fuel to the fire, not to soothe tensions. So it turns out that Rabbi Shmuel Rabinovitz, the rabbi of the Western Wall, called on Muslim religious authorities to work to stop the violence, and in a noteworthy move, he reminded extremist Jews who were considering performing the sacrifice of the Paschal Lamb that offering animal sacrifices on Temple Mount is forbidden. There are some Jews who want to bring back the Paschal sacrifice and it's forbidden. it's forbidden. Now the sensitivity of the area was seen last year when Hamas and Gaza launched rockets in the direction of Israeli capital on Jerusalem Day in May last year, which I remember. We had to run and hide. It also coincided with Ramadan. It sparked what was turned into an 11-day mini-war during which thousands of rockets rained down on Israel. There was a widespread rioting by Arab Israelis in the mixed cities where there are Arabs and Jews like uh, Lud, which is not far from the airport, and like Acre and a few other cities, there was rioting and it, Jews were in danger here in the state of Israel, in danger from their neighbors. So stockpiling rocks and weapons in a mosque is a desecration of the mosque. It doesn't elevate religious status and launching rockets in the direction of the Temple Mount does absolutely nothing to protect the Temple Mount. On the contrary, in a sense, it is sacrilegious to do something like that. Now, as I said at the outset, the Temple Mount is significant to all three monotheistic religions, Judaism, Christianity, and Islam. When the uh, Jordanians controlled the old city of Jerusalem, Jews were not allowed to come at all. Now, when Israel took over, they tried and they succeeded in making the city free to all religions, and they protect all the worshippers there, whether they are Jewish or Christian or, or, or Muslim. Thousands of Muslim worshippers were able to pray at the Al-Aqsa Mosque during Ramadan, which just ended, just as a few hundred Jews also went to the Temple Mount on Passover, while Christians could be see, seen celebrating Easter in Jerusalem. It turns out uh, uh, it's only the Muslims and the Jews who put uh, special holiness on the uh, Temple Mount. Christians look upon Jerusalem as a holy city, but not, uh, to the best of my knowledge, they don't see anything particularly, uh, any sanctity in the Temple Mount. So the bottom line is, Israel cannot allow a minority of violent rioters to desecrate a holy site, which is holy to several religions. Anyone who supports freedom of religion and truly cares about the Temple Mount should condemn Arab rioters, not the police who are there to protect people. So we pray, really, that the police and security forces will continue to protect all the worshippers of all religions. And we, and I myself, add my own prayer for peace. 
We need peace. The area is sensitive. Israel does all it can to allow freedom of worship of everyone, something that didn't exist before 1967 when Israel took over the area from the Jordanians. It's difficult, but it's something that has to be done. Freedom of religion in the holiest place in the world. I'll be back after the break. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. This is Shai Bentico, and each week I'll be webcasting to you from Judea, origin of the word Jew, a people besieged and beleaguered in every generation. Nazi Germany's but a memory, but in its place the world invented the phantom Palestinians as this generation's internationally authorized Jew killers. Tune in for a different slant on life in Israel. Phantom Nation, every Monday. You're listening to The Jay Shapiro Show. You're back with Jay Shapiro. We're celebrating Israel independence this week. And it's uh, perhaps a good time to discuss our relationship with our Palestinian neighbors. Uh, we established sovereignty here in 1948. And Israel has never been militarily, technologically, economically stronger However, according to Douglas Altaby, who is the chairman of the board of Imtirtsu, he feels that Israel is suffering from a crisis of conviction. And I read an article by him, and I want to share his thoughts because they're kind of original, and it's something I myself hadn't thought much about before, but it is really a... um, a thought provoker. Our ancestors were Jews in a diaspora who excelled and achieved great things in their host countries, yet they sought in vain the approval of their non-benign Gentile neighbors, just like them. So we have a similar problem here. Israel's current leaders are chasing for the support and affinity of leading Western countries. They're searching, essentially, for the leading Western countries to love us. They've been willing to send highly dangerous signals to the Palestinian enemies that Israel is willing to relent, to look the other way, and to accommodate Palestinian aspirations and inclinations. It turns out that our leaders here in the state of Israel will cloak all of this in the guise of a quest for accommodation and reasonableness. The goal of our leadership is to show the Palestinians that Israel is prepared to respect Palestinian sensibilities by neither provoking nor providing the grounds for insult and resentment. Now, all this apparently sounds wise, except it is all completely misplaced. 
and is dangerously counterproductive. In one of the great historical misreads of the goals and intentions of the opposing side, Israel's leaders have made the great mistake of Western geopolitics. And what is that mistake? It is to assume that the other guy, your enemy, basically want the same things as they themselves do. We all want peace, prosperity, good relations with neighbors, and ideally economic cross-pollination among us. And I remember, I think it's more than 20 years ago, an American President Bush actually made that statement about Russia. He said, what do they essentially want? They want what we want. That is a great mistake. If the other folks simply want to keep going the way things are, with one big caveat, you, Israel, are not part of the picture. From the river to the sea, Palestine will be free is not a did it is a political manifesto of secessionism and elimination of the state of Israel. That it's as simple as that. We constantly misread the goals of the Palestinians. We ignore their surveys, which consistently show that they have very little interest in making peace with Israel. We ignore their curricula in schools and their popular media, which are replete with Jew hatred and the desire to see us destroyed. And that is the bottom line. We delude ourselves into thinking that it's all an act, a posture designed to secure. What are they looking for, do we think? A better peace treaty, more Palestinian-controlled areas in Judea and Samaria? Of course not. The Palestinians are playing a long game with a clear goal, which is the elimination of Israel. This is the picture and that is the goal. All the policies, the jihad, the payments to the families of terrorists, the rallying cries to defend Al-Aqsa, all of it must be seen in the context working toward a fixed and never-changing, never-obfuscated goal, destruction of the state of Israel. Because that's their playbook. When we denigrate ourselves, by saying the Jews on the Temple Mount or Jews carrying flags in Jerusalem or Jews singing the Hatikva at a university ceremony are being provocative, we are giving aid and comfort to the Palestinian cause. We are showing them that their efforts are working, that our resolve is weakening, and that with just a few more pushes and demands and riots and appeals for universal condemnation of Israel, the goal will get that much closer and more achievable. And their goal is the destruction of the state of Israel. One of Israel's greatest self-inflicted wounds has been on display recently with the craven behavior toward Palestinian mayhem on the Temple Mount. When the Israeli uh, reaction to cynical, manipulative, and pre-planned Palestinian riots when our reaction is to prevent Jews from ascending the Temple Mount, then you know we are in trouble. All of this happened again just recently. Palestinians know, just as we do, 
that the Temple Mount is the holiest site in Judaism. They know that their ability to deprive us of that crucial connection represents not only an enormous religious victory in its own right, but also augurs well for the eventual Israeli willingness to let go of less important connections and associations. Denying a Jewish presence, severing a Jewish connection to the Temple Mount, thus becomes the proof text for the eventual Palestinian victory. The uh, Why can't we see this? That's an interesting question. Why must we, Israel, be so willfully obtuse about the reality of what we are dealing with? Here is a current example of how misguided our policies are. In a vain effort to placate the Palestinians through non-provocation, the police refused to countenance a flag march of Jews through the old city during the intermediate days of Passover, just a couple weeks ago. The police did not allow Jews to march in the old city carrying Israeli flags. In response, Hamas tweeted that having defeated the flag march, it was looking for new and additional symbols of its growing control of what happens in Jerusalem. In other words, Hamas recognized the denial of the police to allow the Jews to march with Jewish flag, Israeli flags in the old city of Jerusalem was essentially a victory for Hamas. Did Hamas defeat the flag march? On one level, of course not. They didn't lobby or threaten repercussions were it to happen, but on a deeper and truer level, of course, they succeeded in defeating it. How? By sustaining violence, rioting, lawlessness, and the massive semblance of civic madness. The Palestinians and Hamas succeeded in intimidating Israeli authorities and triggering the Pavlovian disapproval of Western and Arab leaders. The result, the result was a deprivation and a punishment for Jews, not any kind of remonstration for the Palestinians. Having decided that the appropriate policy was to open the floodgate for massive Palestinian pilgrimage to Al-Aqsa in the old city, our authorities were not about to reverse course. So it could be suggested next year, our government, with plenty of notice, should say that given the violence of the previous year, that's this year, no visitation will be allowed to do al Aqsa, period. And there will be rioting, of course, but the rioting will be on the Palestinian home turf and not on our turf. Only conduct like this can start to change the mindset of eventual Palestinian victory, and we have to change it to inevitable Palestinian defeat, mean, meaning the denial of elimination is victory. Israel's leaders must not let what they would like to see happen substitute for what they know they must know is going to happen. We have to stop deluding ourselves. Because in the bottom line, our very sovereignty is at stake. If we, are, if we are unwilling to assert our sovereignty to project and protect it, we are sending a clear signal that it, our sovereignty, is in play and could be lost.
And then no amount of economic or even military power will protect us if we do not stand up for what is ours. And I think that is the message of this year's Independence Day. We have to act like an independent nation and stop buckling under to those who are not simply our enemies, but they really and truly want to destroy us. And once we get into that mental attitude, our attitude toward the Palestinians should be the proper one, not giving in to all their demands. We have to stand up for what's important to us. I'll be back after the break. If you love Israel News Talk Radio, then you'll love our Facebook page. We keep you up to date on what's happening in Israel, plus little surprise treasures that we don't share on the radio. Go now to follow us on Facebook. Just look for the Israel News Talk Radio Facebook page. And don't forget to subscribe and follow us by clicking on the like button. We post great stuff there that you'll want to share. Israel News Talk Radio on Facebook and Israel News Radio on Twitter. If you're hearing this message, everyone else can too. Advertise with Israel News Talk Radio and get your message out to people. We'll build a personalized package for you. Contact advertising at IsraelNewsTalkRadio.com. Straight talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Hey, this is Jake in Anchorage, Alaska, and I love listening to all the super interesting interviews and up-to-date information on what's happening in Israel. Hello, this is Anna King, originally from London, now living in Israel. And what can I say? Israel News Talk Radio is my cup of tea. My name is Bhaskar. I'm from India, and I love listening because you get to know the truth and wonderful voices from this lovely country. Mom! Okay, wait a minute. Hi, this is Chava Dax, and I'm calling for the rolling hills of Malaya Dumim, just north of Jerusalem. I always listen to Israel News Talk Radio to get all the latest news and commentary and to keep me up to date every day. This is Sarah Dax from Malaya Dumim, and I'm 12. I wish Israel News Talk Radio was boring so my mom wouldn't listen to it all the time. Mom! You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. News, opinion, and more. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. 